Fat Pratt. If we just simply go by statistics, most people are not happy with the way they look. Now this could mean different things to different people, but it really comes down to your body composition. For most people, it's gonna be having a little too much body fat on them at any given point. For some people, it might not be having enough muscle on them. And there's others that fall into this category as well. Regardless of your exact situation, if you're not happy with your body composition, you probably have to make some behavioral changes that will lead to a better body composition. And that's what today's episode is all about. We're gonna talk about seven behaviors that you can practice and implement to create better body composition. And you do not have to do these all at once. You can pick and choose to as many as you can or as few as you're comfortable with. How's everybody doing? My name is John. I will be your host here of the Fat Pratt Chat. This is episode 19. Only two things to note. First thing to note is pretty soon we're going to have the staff on here, probably next episode. We're going to start staff member by staff member going through how they got here, what they were doing before they got here, and how much they love you guys. That's basically in a nutshell. And the only other thing I want to cover very quickly is Cornhole, June 11th. If you're a PPS member, be there. And I just got word from James because he said on the podcast, we can bring friends this year. It's going to be the best Cornhole ever in the history of PPS. That's all I got for you. The intro I said before sums up the episode, and here it is right now, Fat Pratt Chat, episode 19, seven behavioral changes you can implement. Top if you want to rock and roll. Is this thing on? <laughs> it is on. Oh. Episode 7,234. That's on. much information we've been giving. And it feels that way. Quick update uh, on the on the weight loss for me personally. Now I mentioned last week, last Monday, how I was like insanely fed up with the fact that I ate a lot on Easter and I was away for the weekend, ate and drank a lot, and I weighed in at 208 pounds last Monday. Uh, this morning I was 201. Uh, so a seven, seven pounds, quote unquote, of weight loss in the course of a week in which I haven't really done anything drastic. I've pretty much just been eating really normal and not drinking alcohol. And that is it. My average weight last week was 204.04. No, I'm sorry. Two weeks ago, my average weight was 204.04. Last week, my average weight was 203.17. And so far this week, my average weight is 201.8. Dude, so you're killing small it. changes. Small changes, baby. You should have been in the summer shred. Where was this in the <laughs> if, turkey trip? Well, th- so what I happened? weighed myself that morning on the summer shred. I'd be like, you know, if I did it, what would I have to be? And that's when I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. 208.2 uh, the, the morning after Easter, not acceptable. Yeah, but I'm just wondering how you can lose seven pounds in one week and not doing the summer shred. And you can only lose one pounds over the course of six weeks, <laughs> four weeks, doing the turkey trim. Well, I'll You tell gained you. weight the first two weeks of the turkey <laughs> trim. I'll tell you how. I was stressed. I had a lot going on. Probably your coach, too. <laughs> uh, so ultimately, small changes making a big difference. And that's what we're going to kind of touch on today. Small changes that make a big difference. Now, how do we guarantee results for somebody? What If someone comes to me and they say, hey, I'm going to give you $10 million if you just guarantee to me that I'm going to lose 25 pounds in the next year. And that might sound a little crazy, but those are legitimate conversations that we've had with members before. People come in all the time, offered us $10 million to do things. It happens every day. <laughs> all the time. 
were zero for a thousand and making and meeting that ten. If we just land one though, it'll all be worth it. So we're so someone comes in. Uh, let's say they come in for their assessment, and I want to lose twenty five pounds. I want to not have back pain anymore. I want more energy, and I want to stop being as stressed as I currently am. Everything is stressful to me. I have no energy throughout the day. Potentially, the reason that I find everything so stressful is because I don't have energy to actually handle these stressful scenarios that are coming up. I have back pain when I do anything. When I wake up in the morning, uh, if I pick up a bunch of stuff, if I move some stuff around the house, my back starts bothering me. And, oh, by the way, I definitely want to lose 25 pounds because I find myself to be 25 pounds overweight. Whoa, what do I do? How do I do it? And how do I guarantee that I'm going to get there? Well, we're going to give you seven steps seven today. Seven steps. Seven steps. And, and first... Not necessarily steps. Yeah. Just seven. You don't have to do these in chronological order. They're not chronological necessarily. We're going to give you seven items. Good point. Seven behavior changes. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, seven behavior changes seven that you behavior. can do in any order you want. Yep. And the more the merrier, but ultimately remember that if you want to change a habit, one thing at a time is the most important. So to go back... Uh, what's what's been happening in this person's life? That's what I really want to know. So I, I talked to this person. This is a this is a real scenario. Like I talked to this person, and uh, they've gained about five pounds per year over the last five years. Something they were unaware of until being asked. Like, oh well, you know, five years ago I was twenty five pounds lighter, and then over the last five years I've gained twenty five pounds. Like, all right, well you've been averaging a five pound weight gain per year, which sounds like nothing, but when five years adds up and you've been gaining five pounds a year, that's 25 pounds of total weight in a five-year time frame in which you probably weren't doing much resistance training, maybe losing some muscle from your body, and then putting on 25 pounds of fat, which might actually be more than 25 pounds of fat if you've lost some muscle. So you've been somewhat inactive, you've been eating a lot, and you've put on 25 pounds in five years. Cool, all right, good to know. Uh, you've been exercising for an average of less than 30 minutes per week over the course of each year for the last five years. That could change. So let's say some weeks you're incredibly motivated and you work out for two to three hours a week for a four to six week time frame. You lose motivation because you weren't held accountable or you didn't think that what you were doing was working um, or you just got bored with the exercise that you were performing, so you end up working out for zero minutes per week for two to three weeks. When it's all said and done, after the year's over, you exercise for about 26 total hours, and we'll call that 30 minutes per week. Uh, you're always tired and feeling lethargic. You feel like you don't sleep very well. Um, every single time that you're out playing with the kids, you feel like you have no energy. You get tired really quickly when you're performing household chores, anything along those lines. And now most importantly, because of things like this, and I think one leads to the other, the lack of energy is potentially leading to you finding everything to be stressful. And this is always a fun conversation. When someone says like, you know, scale of one through 10, how stressed are you? And they say 10. It's like, well, what is it? Like, oh, well, you know, things around the house, work. I was like, well, can you give me an example? Like, oh, like when the kids leave their clothes out. Like, and when that happens, on a scale of one through 10, how stressed is that? How stressful is that for you? And they're like, well, it's like an eight or nine. I'm like, well, does that seem like that's the way it should be? Like, do you feel like, you know, a couple of t-shirts being left on the floor should stress you out to an eight out of 10? Because if you find that to be an eight out of 10 stressful, like what about other things that are like way more stressful than that? 
you know? So like if clothes being around the house is an eight out of 10, what happens when like some like serious family matters pop up? You know, is that like a 20 out of 10? Do you perceive everything to be so stressful because of the lack of energy, because of the lack of confidence you have, um, because you're also at the same time intuitively stressed out over the fact that you're unhappy about how you look and how you feel that everything else is exponentially more stressful? I'm getting stressed out just listening to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm stressed thinking about how stressed everybody is. Um, So with that, like, can we solve this? Can we solve some of these problems through fitness? How do we get this this person from where they were to where they want to go? And how do we guarantee that we can get them there? And it all comes down to behaviors. Every time. What have you been doing? We already talked about that and where that got us. What do you need to do to get to where you want to go? And a lot of times we're going to be painted a picture that seems like we're going to be trying to overcome uh, the highest mountain in the world. And how do we chunk that up into different steps to make that more feasible? And more importantly, how do we make this process more enjoyable to make somebody more likely to stick to it in the long haul because the second they hate it, the second they give up. So how do we make you like the gym? How do we make you enjoy the nutrition changes? How do we make you gain appreciation for the small micro improvements that you make in your body composition and in your fitness behavior and in your stressless lifestyle that you've now acquired because of this new activity level and improved nutrition? Well, let's talk about the seven reasons, how seven ways that we can get them there. <laughs> Man, um, yeah, it could be overwhelming for people. It's like it, what you just said. Um, I think it comes down to small wins, giving these people some small wins to know that they're moving in the right direction. Because when you look at the whole picture of it and you look at their stress level and you look at how you know stressed they are because they're not where they want to be, like you said, I think that's a major part. Like, you know, subconsciously all day long, you're thinking, I'm not really where I want to be. I have these 25 extra pounds. It's like so stressful to me to like think about how to possibly lose those. Well, it's like big picture stuff. And if you have some small steps or small behavior changes that you can make that leads you towards a direction, I think it becomes a lot more realistic. Uh, So that's exactly what you led into what we're going to talk about now. Yeah, 100%. And just to to use myself for an example, at, at 208 pounds when I weigh in, like, all right, this is the moment that things have to change. This is way too heavy for me. What am I going to do? Um, I need to do two things. I need to not drink liquid calories. Very simple. I could do that. Let's not drink liquid calories and let's make sure that we're eating more protein. There's a certain amount of protein that I try to eat every day. And then on weeks that I eat lesser of protein, that usually means I ate more of other things and usually in excess. So when I hit my protein requirements, I generally eat less, fewer overall calories. When I don't hit my protein requirements, that usually means I ate way too much of other things that this allowed me to eat as much protein as I actually wanted to eat. Um, so those are the two big things over the last 14 days, I'd say, however many it's been, 10, 11, 10 or 11 days that have kind of made a, a big difference that is uh, helping me try to see this through more clearly and um, try to get leaner over time, especially with summer coming. You know, this is the time to get to try to look like John. This is this is all of our goals now. Every guy that walks in the door, how do I look like John for summer? Not John right now. John in, <laughs> John in four weeks. <laughs> I'm still coming through my bulk where I eat anything <clears throat> at the moment, and it's going to piss a lot of people off. But my goal right now is to gain muscle mass. And the easiest way to do it, like we talked about on another podcast, is to eat excess calories, more protein, and understand that I probably will gain a little body fat in the process, which I have definitely around my love handle area. 
uh, which stresses me out. <laughs> so I need these behavior changes right now. Uh, I'm going to be cutting next week, four weeks. I told my team I'd do it with them. I'm probably just going to cut about five pounds. So to get to there, side note, I'll probably end up cutting down to about seven or eight because you'll always have, in my experience, a little bit of a rebound. It may not be like a true weight loss on the scale that you see if I were to just hit five and stop there. So I'm going to go probably towards seven-ish, and then I'm sure I'll pull back when I start eating normal to about five net. And so four weeks, guy, summer shred. Every guy listening right now is like, okay, I wish I was seven pounds away from my goal body weight, <laughs> <laughs> myself included. Um, all okay, right, so where seven are we? Things. What's the first one? Seven, seven first things. One, first one is you have to believe that you can change and make this happen. Wow, how lame. <laughs> you really <laughs> you Come must on, believe. that's lame. <laughs> you must believe. And this is a motivational being, podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> reason being, as soon as we start to talk about this, like you just mentioned, things seem so overwhelming that I just look, look at the, I look at the look in people's eyes. <laughs> I see the look in people's eyes and I just see they've given up. Yeah. You know, as they say their goals, as they notice what's happening, they're like, you know, I'm going to have to do so much for so long to make this happen that I actually... Like, I, I kind of give up already. And you see that look. But the first thing is you have to understand that you can do it. You just have to change some things. And those changes don't have to be insanely drastic. You don't have to go. Think about what you've been doing over the last five years to gain five pounds per year. All you really have to do is do a little bit better. Let's be a little bit better than what's gotten us in this position and then we'll improve on that over time. So then let's be a little bit better, then a little bit better. Then let's be a little bit better, then a little bit better, then a little bit better. And then over time, that ends up being much better. <laughs> so ultimately, you have to believe that you can actually do it. If you don't believe that you have the capability and you have the power to make this happen, then you have no chance. Nothing else matters. If you don't see this as like, this is a goal I want to accomplish and I can do it, I just have to know that I'm in this for the long haul, that in the next 12 months, I can lose 25 pounds. It's half a pound a week on average. Like, I can do this. If you don't believe it, then it's definitely not happening 100%, no shot. Yeah, as much as I want to joke about it, totally on board with it, and it's totally true, and it works the opposite way as well. So if you don't believe it, it will change your behaviors. And that's what we're talking about. We want to change your behaviors for a positive reason. If you don't believe it and you believe you cannot do it, your behaviors will reflect that. So for one example, like if, if I know a few guys have got hung up on like, oh, you lose testosterone when you get above the age of 30. Oh, you lose muscle mass at this much rate when you're above the age of 30. When you have kids, like there's a drop in test. Like you read these things on like whatever science uh, and whatever they came to the conclusion. And like if you're like, oh, you know what? Well, I might as well not try anymore. Like if you fully believe that and say, yep, I'm going to be in there. I'm going to lose that muscle mass. Like, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time in the gym. If that's your mindset, your behaviors will reflect that. You're not going to try very hard in the gym. You're not going to go to the gym much any uh, much more than you were or you're going to go less because underlying, you're believing that whatever you're going to do isn't going to change anything. So that's just one example that came to the top of my head right now. I didn't plan on talking about that, but there's probably other things that you have listening to this that are changing your behaviors for the negative. 100%. So it, it literally, if you're like, hey, I can do this then you're going to go and do things that facilitate that. If yeah. you're like, you know what? Can't do it. Like, well, guess what? Your behaviors are going to reflect exactly that. Yep. And what has always helped me is think of people that actually have done it and being naturally competitive. Like when I know other people have done it, 
then I give myself zero reason as to why I can't. If I know people that have lost 25 pounds, I have zero reason that I can't do it. If someone else did it, I could do it. I could figure it out. I'll find a way. There's a uh, there's a principle behind that. Like when one person does it, something that was thought to be impossible, a whole bunch more people do it right away. And I think the one that comes to mind is the running mile. the mile. Yeah, that's the less than four things. minutes yeah. was it? Yeah. And Once like it happened. Everybody it happened thought this this can't happen. No, it's not possible. One guy decided he was going to believe he could do it, and this crazy guy trained and trained and trained until he could do it. And then as soon as he did it. A whole bunch of other people did yeah, it because they were like, oh, it's possible. Yeah, change their mindset. Change their I think that's when I ran my 330. We were on that same time. I found yes, out yeah, same. Yeah, I've, I've I just didn't want to be the first one to do it. It was a little arrogant. If I was the first one to Yeah, you were doing it all along, just not publicizing it. <laughs> so I waited for someone to do it. Then I ran my 330. No big deal. So that's the big one. Believe that you could do it. Two, exercise for three hours a week. This isn't an insane ask. And you do have three hours per week, I promise you. Find a way to make it work. If you want this bad enough, then coming to a 5 a.m. session somewhere at a gym or at your house, it's not that unreasonable. If you want to do this bad enough, 5 a.m., if that's the only time you have, you do it. Guess what our busiest session is for our adult demographic? It's 5 a.m. Because a lot of those people that come at 5 a.m., they can't come at any other time. And they enjoy working out, and they're pretty serious about their goals. And it's a pretty fun environment at that hour. So our busiest hour, 5 a.m., because that's probably the only time that those people can get in and they make it happen. And like I just said, if some people can do it, so can you. So 5 a.m., not unrealistic. If you can come at 9, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., if you can go to another gym at 12, whatever the case is, you can find three hours is the point. You could totally map out three hours in your schedule every week to get your exercise in. Slowly increase your exercise difficulty over time. This obviously helps if you have a lot, this is a lot easier if you have a professional to help you out in terms of micro progressions of cardiovascular activities or resistance training. But ultimately, make sure your workouts increase in difficulty. On your first day in the gym, don't give yourself a 10 out of 10 difficulty workout. Um, but then, you know, when you first show up, maybe it's a five or six out of 10, but it gradually increases to the point that over time you start experiencing 10 out of 10 difficulty workouts, and that's totally fine. Just don't start at a 10. No, please. Uh, increase your amount of the amount of out of gym exercise activity. So this is just like a, like the neat analogy or the the neat acronym. Just over the course of the day, just go do some stuff that's somewhat active. It's incredibly helpful if you just go for a twenty minute walk or a thirty minute walk, or you go play with your kids outside for twenty minutes, which you mandate yourself actually walking around and uh, moving from different spots in the yard and not just standing there watching them like go take part in their play like john's an expert at this one sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's really tough <laughs> sometimes you just want to sit there and do nothing if you don't have kids do what i do and just chase squirrels around easy, easy way to, to burn some extra up the tree down the tree <laughs> but just go do some stuff that's active uh, you put about two hours a week on that, right? So three hours a week yeah. of like specific, hey, I'm in the gym exercising or I'm at home exercising, I'm lifting weights, whatever, you know, we could define that how we want. And then two hours of like not your typical exercise. Exactly. You're not going to be lifting up weights, but you're moving, exactly. moving around. And some just, steps in. Yeah, and just to put some exact numbers on it, do 20 minutes a day for six days a week or do 30 minutes a day for four days a week. 20 minutes a day is huge, huge if you can do that. Even totally. walking for people who are doing nothing right now. 20 minutes of extra walking per day, huge. Totally. Uh, reduce your alcohol in half. 
the amount of alcohol that you currently have, and I know some people are going to say they're not big drinkers, and I totally get it, uh, but whatever the case is right now for the amount of alcohol that you consume on a weekly basis, cut it in half. If over the course of a week you have 10 glasses of wine, try five. That's a big net calorie difference over the course of the day, sure. The week, yes. The year, totally. Imagine having half the alcohol over the course of a year, the amount of calories that you would probably save if you just replaced half of those alcoholic beverages with water. That would probably be huge. Huge for most people, yeah. yeah. For, for what it's worth, when I, so right now, <clears throat> what I currently do year round is alcohol on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if I want to. It doesn't happen every single Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but uh, especially as we come towards summer, it's usually gonna be a few drinks on each of those days. And then Monday through Thursdays is off limits for me. Just decided a while ago, not gonna do it Monday through Thursday, unless there's some random event that happens very, very seldomly. If I go into this cut, like I'm gonna go in about four weeks from now, I'm gonna give myself four total drinks over the whole weekend. Nice. Usually that means to me, I'm gonna have two drinks on a Friday, two drinks on a Saturday, done. But I give myself that little bit of a leeway, and that's the structure I've found works well for me, that I can have a little bit of the stuff that I enjoy, but I'm not going to go overstepping my boundaries because I've created those boundaries, and it just seems to be a good balance for me. So four total drinks, it's pretty limited for most people. Uh, but for myself, like, hey, if I'm, if I'm going to cut, that's part of my process. Totally. That's huge. Huge. Um, so reduce the alcohol in half. Food log. Keep one. Write down everything that you eat write it down or put it in an app and spend about 30 minutes to an hour on learning how to track your calories and how to track your protein. Go YouTube it at the very least. Spend 30 minutes to an hour, go on YouTube. How do I track my protein? How do I track my calories? I'm sure there's some great articles if you're a reader, some great videos if you're into YouTube that can give you a ton of information on how to track these calories and protein. We of course have our bias resource of Lauren that if you talk to her on the consultation, or if you look at her ebook, all this information's in there. But at the very least, you have 30 minutes to yourself, go on YouTube and start to learn about something like this because the amount of people that say they're serious about a goal and they've never spent five minutes to even look up what they should do from a nutritional perspective is pretty interesting. So try to do a little bit of self-research. I mean, you're not gonna be an expert in 30 minutes to an hour, but you'll probably learn a decent amount and you'll be able to create some comparisons of what the what the optimal thing to do is versus what you currently do, and then maybe start to draw some conclusions on how to get yourself from what you're currently doing to what is optimal, or at least start to move in the direction of optimal. Yeah, I don't have to go, uh, I don't have to say anything on that. We've talked about multiple times how valuable food law could be. So if you haven't heard it by now, you probably, if you've been listening to this podcast, you probably heard like five or six times we've talked to you about how important a food law could be if you've never done one. Uh, so go do it. And then like, you, like James said, go uh, spend a little bit of time understanding how to track some of this stuff. Maybe you're not going to do it forever, but it's important to know. 100%. And then lastly, have accountability. It's so hard to change your behavior without some sort of accountability. So whether that's a spouse that's doing it with you, it seems to me that most people that succeed, they're doing it with a friend or they're doing it with their spouse. Uh, and that helps them in the process to have somebody to hold them accountable and do it with them. If that's not the case, a professional obviously can help, but somebody to just check in with frequently, even if it's like, you know, you just call your sibling, you know, twice a week and you say, hey, this is how my workout and this is how my nutrition's going. And they may or may not care, but at least you know that you have to check in with somebody that you want to positively report to on a consistent basis. That can be huge. And it's very hard to do these things and change 
your behavior and your habits if you don't have somebody to kind of hold you accountable, even if it's not somebody who's just waiting for you to mess up and say, oh, yep, we need to change that behavior. Just somebody that you could talk to about these things and let them know what you're doing and keep them updated that when you make your choices throughout the week, you remember that if you decide to go out on Thursday and have four drinks and a, you know, a 2000 calorie dinner, that on Saturday, you're going to talk to your sibling and you have to report to them what you just did. And in knowing that you have to do that, mm-hmm. it may change your choice on Thursday. It does. A uh, quick one minute story. I trained two sisters, uh, one with like severe limitations as far as surgery, back pain, this, that. The other one with no limitations, both overweight, both want to lose weight, both very unmotivated uh, to work out, except for the one who was like, look, I'm in like, you know, got the surgery. I was in a wheelchair. Like, I don't want to live like this. I need to build strength or whatever. So she brought the other sister with her. I trained both of them in this building for a while and they were accountable to each other and to me. One of them moved away. So now I'm still training the one. Uh, She's the only person that I train uh, currently one-on-one and uh, she's accountable directly to me. So with her, she's accountable to me for the one session we do per week. And then she has to check in with me that we've agreed upon. She'll get three workouts at home per week. That's just what we agreed and she wants to be accountable. The way I do that is if she doesn't do a workout, she doesn't hit her three, she has bear crawls. She absolutely hates bear crawls. It's her least favorite exercise ever. And it's tough for her because she has some complications, but it doesn't cause immediate pain. So it's a great thing to dangle at the end of the stick saying, hey, if you don't get that third workout, you have 20 yards of bear crawls. I'm going to watch you do it. And uh, we fight about it every time that it happens, but I, I make her do it. And she understands that like that is her accountability. If she doesn't, if there was nothing punishing her, you know, for lack of a better words, she wouldn't get that third workout in when she thought she couldn't. There's been multiple times that she texts me like, oh, I woke up early, got my workout in because I didn't want to do those bear crawls. Like, okay, there you go. We, but now guess what? The other sister's out of way and it's really tough. She wanted to be accountable to me, but I can't make her do bear crawls out in Iowa because <laughs> I can't drive there every weekend. So guess what? I, she lost her accountability system. Unfortunately, there's nobody really out there she's found to hold her accountable. Um, you know, because in person was the way we were doing this and like being able to enforce those type of things. Like we were trying to go back and forth on the text. Um, so it's huge. Uh, and that's mainly the reason that the one girl is still here is strictly for the accountability to make sure she still does it. Because if not, she knows that herself, she will likely slack off and not do these things. Yep. hundred percent. And that's what we got for today. Uh, Summer shred update seems like everybody's losing at least three pounds, like three to six on this first week. Now, notice a lot of that. That's not necessarily encouraged, that type of weight loss on a weekly basis. But a lot of that is coming from the natural high flux that everybody weighs himself in on Monday after eating a lot on Sunday, which Monday was the day after Easter for a lot of people where they, you know, they naturally feasted. Extra carbs, extra water retention, alcohol, like a lot of factors play into that first number. So a lot of people are moving in the right direction in terms of the summer shred, uh, but most importantly, behaviorally. A lot of great feedback on the consultations with Lauren, the teams that have met with her and talked about nutrition with her, what they've been doing, what they need to do to succeed, the information that they've gathered in the ebook, the feedback that they're getting from their trainers constantly to hold them accountable every step of the way, get enough workouts in, uh, eat appropriately for these six weeks, that we lose those 15 pounds. That's the goal. Lastly, cornhole, June 11th. June 11th. Yeah. June 11th, Cornhole. Biggest event of the year. It is outperforming bowling night. Why? Because of my outstanding partying antics of last year. Now it is the most anticipated day of the, the prep performance calendar year. Cornhole. If you want to have a good time, you'll be there June 11th. 
bring your friends, bring your A-game from a corn from a cornhole perspective. If you don't play cornhole, totally fine. Still come, still eat, have fun. Let's do something besides work out for a change, and let's enjoy some time. That's right. Be there, June 11th. Peace. Hey guys, John here again with your two-minute takeaways today. So for the first takeaway, I want to just pick out what I think are the best out of these seven, best bang for your buck for anybody to start with that I've seen go well for people. So let's say you're, let's let's first of all take number one off the table, believing. Let's assume you already believe that, all right? Let's just say you, you listening to this already believe that you can do it. If you want to lose 25 pounds of body fat, I know you believe you can do this. You say to yourself, I can definitely do this. If you want to lose some body fat, gain some muscle mass, recomposition your body or recomp your body, then you know you say to yourself, I can do this. I'm gonna assume you've already said that. That being said, the next two, I'm gonna give you two. I think the first, I think that I've seen go really well for people is having accountability. It's the last one that we said. Have a friend, a family member, uh, one of your kids, one of your parents, whoever you are listening to this, have somebody that you can be accountable to and that might mean that they do something like this with you. I think that usually goes really well for somebody and that is why some people, a lot of people actually pay personal trainers as mostly the accountability system of a time and a place to meet this person and somebody who's gonna check up on them throughout the week. Second bullet point that I think is the most important, reducing alcohol by half if you're drinking a lot of alcohol. That has a huge positive effect on most people. If you are not drinking alcohol, then the next in line that I would choose is getting your exercise three times a week. I think once we structure that, we can then get past the exercise and start to talk about the additional activity beyond exercise that's not specific exercise. So or not thought of as specific exercise. That's your walking, uh, light jogging, your yard work, mowing the lawn if you have a, if you have a walk behind mower, uh, gardening, like stuff that just gets you out and moving up off the couch. By the way, I know a lot of you haven't uh, probably noted these down. I will put all of these in the show notes, the number one through seven. We didn't really recap that. I meant to do that in the podcast. We just didn't get to it. I'll put number one through seven of these behavior changes that you can try to implement on your own in the show notes for you. Okay, and number two, you heard this last podcast, you heard it this podcast, you heard it last of time on the takeaways. I just need to say it again because it's so important. Do not get overwhelmed and try to do all seven of these things at once if you're currently doing none of them. If you're already doing four of them, you know, maybe we go for the next three. That's probably not that big of a deal. But if you're literally doing none and you try to go do all, it's going to be extremely overwhelming. You're likely going to have a lot of failures in that and that you won't succeed at most of these things or actually doing most of these things. And that's very demotivating by itself. So if you can just pick one or two to start with, that's a great way to go about it. You're going to get those positive reinforcement of just doing those behaviors and like just that little bit of a win to know you're moving in the right direction. And then you can add that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh as you get better and better at doing the first few things that you implemented. All right, that's all I got for you today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the Fat Pratt Chat. And stay tuned for next episode, number 20. I do believe we will have some staff members on here, which will probably be very interesting to you as our members who are listening to this to find out where our staff members were before they were at Pratt Performance and potentially what job or jobs, in somebody's cases, in some of our cases, um, that we had before we worked here. All right, everybody, till next week.